Hey guys, Joey here, and in a second we're going to be bringing Chip Judd on to talk about people getting burned out with stress and too much on their plates from having a bunch of little crumb snatchers running all over the house all the way to being corporation owners to pastors and all that. We talk a lot about pastors given that we're both pastors, but... At the end of the episode, he's going to be talking about a new endeavor that he's doing that I highly recommend that you refer to people or check it out yourself. If you are breathing and you deal with balancing a lot of stuff and figuring out how to do it all and maybe how to get rid of some of the stuff that you're doing and just enjoy life a little bit more with a lot less stress, hang on to the end of the episode. Uh, the website that we're going to be referring to, I'll go ahead and give it to you up top as well. It's juddboundaries.com. That's J-U-D-D boundaries.com. All right, so we, we've, we've talked a few times about the pastoral profession on this podcast. And uh, by the way, this is the pastor with no answers. And we've, we've talked about pastoral pay. In fact someone that Chip and I could, you know, I'll definitely call him one of my bosses. Chip, you know, may just say, nah, Jack's my friend, and, you know, that's okay. But he he could probably push for Chip to get fired. I don't know. Jack's been on here and (laughs) talked about, you know, pay as well as a situation where a guy got fired from his job and it seemed uh, a a little out of bounds. So we, we do talk about the pastoral profession because, you know, A, I'm a pastor, and B, we don't think that pastors are beyond people talking about them and giving some constructive criticism and, heck, even uh, reprimanding when needed. I I feel like all of that stuff is 100% thumbs up as long as it's motivated by love and and, and done in somewhat of a decent way, you know, not slamming someone online. So I'll just say how I, you know, one part of pastoral discussion or discussions about pastors is that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that say stuff like, oh, man, Joey is just, he's just so awesome. He's there for us. You know, he's always willing to to help. And, man, just there's just so many things on Joey's shoulders, so many thoughts in his head, so many people that he has to be wondering about, and all these sorts of comments about me and me being this hero. And, obviously, there is a part of my ego that enjoys that, There's also a part of my logical thought process that I don't like the fact that I enjoy that. And then lastly, there is a rationale in my mind that's saying that this isn't true either. I'm not I'm not this hero. I'm glad that I'm appreciated. I'm glad that people can see that I care. But I'm no, I'm I'm not this hero. Now, the flip side of that would be people that <clears throat> Bless, you know, my grandma is a, a rough example to use because of, you know, she's just in a completely different generation, but it's still comical. She asked me one time, she's just like, Joey, I mean, you don't even teach on Sunday mornings. What do you do all day? And then, so <laughs> you obviously have people that seriously wonder what in the world is, is going on in my life and how in the world can I have a full-time job off of you know, what I'm doing. And, and so there's just all sorts of different misconceptions of, of my job and what I'm doing. Bottom line, I don't like either one. 
and I shouldn't I shouldn't care at all, but I do care what people think. I don't like people seeing me as this unbelievable hero because I think that's unhealthy, even though my ego likes it sometimes. And I also don't like think you know people thinking, oh wow, that's the easiest job in the world. That must be nice. I feel like there's pastors that get away too often with saying something along the lines of, "Man, I'm I'm burned out." In fact, I'm pretty sure. It's on paper that there's some pastors that have cheated on their wives, and part of their confession was that they were just going at such a fast rate and with with no time taken off, and they were just too, doing too much of Jesus' work, and they were burned out, and they made a bad decision. So some of the issue that I have with that terminology and, and what I want to talk to Chip about is is the whole... I'm a pastor, I've got so much on me, and I've burned out. Because what my mind immediately goes to is, well, what about the person that has perennial back pain because they're digging ditches all day, and that's just their lot. They can't change their working situation. That's what they do. Or the the mom that is a, a single mother, husband passed away or, or left her or whatever, and she's actually trying to go to school to provide a better income so she can take care of her kids but at the same time she has to work and her parents aren't in town so she has to take care of the kids and be home in time for school and all that sort of thing it's just i can't help but thinking there's a lot of people that have it way worse than pastors and so i just i don't like the whole burnout thing because we're so burdened by people now at the same time i do feel like i've been in seasons where everybody for for good or bad, I don't know if this is my fault, their fault, or what, but I am kind of leading the way with very emotional situations. Now, I try to resist that, resist an unhealthy level of that by making sure people know I'm not this hero, I'm, I'm here for people. And I do think that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at being with people while they're in pain, and I think that's something that you know maybe God's just given me. But I have found myself in seasons of time where I'm just like, I just am depleted. And uh, and it seems pretty tied to just the deep emotions that go along with people's pain and all of that. But I also don't think that that's obviously exclusive to the pastoral position. There's a lot of people. I mean, just a paramedic worker that sees senseless death and accidents all the time. But what I how I want to start this conversation with Chip is... Do you feel inclined to defend the pastoral position from the stuff along the lines of, man, that's such an easy job. You know, they, they get paid money and, you know, what are they doing? They get to meet with people at Starbucks and, you know, uh, for those that teach all the time, they get to just sit there and read their Bible and research and come up with an awesome sermon. Like, do you feel almost compelled to defend pastors because they do have a lot on them and they do have a lot of emotional turmoil and burdens and all that stuff? Or do you feel like, no, nah, there's a lot of validity to that and let's, let's go that direction. What's your response to my, my little monologue there? Uh, I mean, Joey, I would say I am honored beyond words that not, now this is important, not that I'm, in the ministry, but I'm honored beyond words that I, I am able to do something on the outside that matches the way I'm wired on the inside and 
get paid for it. Yeah. It, it happens to be ministry. So, so what I'm really trying to say is I, I am not one of these guys who thinks I'm in the most uh, holy calling, uh, you know, bless your heart. I appreciate that you work here, work there, do this, do that. But, you know, let's be real. I'm in the, I'm in the most holy calling. I just don't believe that. I believe the issue is simple. Are you, are you being the person and doing the thing with that? that God has asked you and commissioned and equipped you to do. And if you're being obedient to God's, uh, you know, assignment, then what you're doing is as holy as mine. And so to me, the issue of that's an important distinction for me to make. So then beyond that, if, well, let, if let me, I'm... Let me ask you something about that real quick, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. What, no. about the, what about the person that has the same abilities and insight and giftings that Chip has, but there's they don't have that opportunity. Um, so, so in other words, could, what would you say to an outsider that says, "Well, Chip, you have you have all those gifts, but so so does Mister Plummer over there, and he tries to use those gifts as much as he possibly can." Why are you getting paid to do this on a full-time gig? I mean, my response to that personally would be like, I know, man, it's pretty awesome. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, I agree, Joey, with what you said. My deal is, you know, dude, I, I get it. And here's the thing. You have a responsibility to steward your heart and keep it free of jealousy and competition and whatever. I didn't put myself in the ministry. Yeah. God did. So if you're, if you're going to have an issue, take it up with God. But I would recommend you figure out a way to be at peace with whatever your assignment is. But aren't we aren't, aren't we all in the ministry though? That's yeah, right. exactly, so, exactly. So what do you mean by God put you in the ministry? Are you talking about a pastoral? Profession? All right, uh, yeah, yeah. God put me in the in the, in the position of ministry where I get paid for that ministry. And if, you would uh, and, and you would have I, no. I used, you would have no problem with also saying the very gifted and talented fireman that is seeking God, God put him in that position. He gets his check from the same place I do. It just comes through a different intermediary. Gotcha. God's my source. Seacoast is my resource. That's where I get my paycheck from. God is his source. The fire department is his resource. And uh, uh, the resources can change, but the source never does. And, um, you know, I, I taught high school before I when I got saved, I went back to school, got my teaching certificate and I taught high school. And I'll be honest with you, dude, I went to work every day for Jesus, for Jesus, with Jesus, in Jesus. And honestly, I had a blast. I love those kids. Uh, in hindsight, because I didn't know at the time that I was called to, to, to the call to the vocational ministry. But I realized that I was pastoring those kids and um, I had a blast. Yeah. And there's I, I wouldn't say it's happened lately, but there were times over those next 10, 15 years where I told the Lord God, I'll go back to school tomorrow. Yeah. Because because it, it just wasn't to me, it wasn't like either work a secular job or work for God. It, it just wasn't the, the way I looked at it. Yeah. I looked at it like I'm going to live for and work with and for God, no matter what I'm doing. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So as far as pastors, 
you know, pointing to their busyness as to why they had like a uh, big time, <laughs> I'll say, slip up in their faithfulness to their wife. That that's that has been done, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure I've heard a pastor live uh, actually say that. Like, you know, I was just going nonstop. You know, just so yeah. much ministry, never taking a break. It, isn't that something to at least consider as long as you're not pointing to that and saying, I'm blaming this on that? So, for example, I would put in the same category of, you know, uh, a, a wife cheats on her husband and you're counseling with them and the wife is is gorgeous. You're looking at wedding pictures and they're both very attractive people, but then you're looking at this husband and you're like, oh my gosh, dude, you're like 200 pounds overweight. You can hardly walk without getting out of breath. You can't say, well, it's your fault that she cheated on you. You're overweight. But you at least have to eventually include that into the conversation. <laughs> so, well, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, I yeah, I get what you're saying. Let me go back to your question. Yeah. A, a guy says, well, the reason I went there is I was burned out. Right. You know, my question would simply be, well, help me understand why you were burned out. Yeah. And if if his answer was, I mean, my call is so strong, the need is so great, I'd say, excuse me, but who, who do you work for? <laughs> well, I work for God. I said, well, help me see where... In the book that we say is our, our guidebook, help me see any validation for what you're saying. You know, that the, the book I read says the poor you'll always have with you. So obviously he's not in a hurry to fix poverty. Um, you know, uh, all you that are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. Gosh, I love to mess with people's heads with these. Take my yoke on you. Take my yoke. Jesus, take my yoke on you. And you'll find rest for your soul. Yeah. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I'm like, dude, okay, so let's let's leave this the sin of adultery for a moment. And let's talk about the sin of workaholism. Let's talk about the sin of self-importance. Let's talk about the sin of, uh, of violating Sabbath day principle, whatever you want to call it. In other words, here, here's often the problem, Joey. We're, 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 we don't know there's a problem till certain things show up, but the problem happened years before that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, here's some of the, the, the dumb things I think about and say, um, we, we are, here we are the church and we're inviting people into a kingdom that we don't even live in ourselves. Yeah. We, we live more like the world around us than we do the Bible. And, and we're inviting, we're, we're presenting the gospel of peace, and we don't have any. Yeah. And I just think we're, we're just, we're not living what we believe very well. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I know for me, too, I hate, I hate this about me, but there is definitely... You know, on a typical Sunday morning, for instance, or when, you know, if people reach out and, and, and those sorts of things, I do want, like, like, it's almost like I have this dualistic hypocrisy because I don't think pastors should be positioned as like the dude that everybody needs. And yet I don't want to let people down. 
Like, I really don't want people to feel disappointed in me. And it's something that, I mean, when I took, uh, you know, Seacoast has pe- has pastors take a sabbatical for a month every seven years, and mine was last year, and that was something I was really trying to work on. Is that something that you see pretty common in the pastoral profession, dudes that don't want to let their people down, and they just want to be everything for everyone? Uh, yes, but I but I would probably sneak up on it a little differently. Um, I mean, the more the more I've been at this, Joey, the more I think through this kind of a filter. Um, uh, I, I you said it a minute ago. I want people to think well of me. I want people to be proud of me. I want people to think I'm good at what I do. Yeah, and and all that's all that's wonderful. But um, he, here's the tricky thing: if I Whoever I look to to meet my needs is going to determine the the expectations I have to live up to, the rules I have to live by, and and just the whole system of reality that I have to kind of fit into. So if 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 one of my driving motivations is I want the people around me to like me, um, then what I'm going to do is adjust myself to what they value. And how they measure success and proficiency and whatever. Um, and in other words, if you adjust to an unhealthy culture, yeah. you can't come out the other end healthy. So, see, I believe the challenge of, for a leader slash pastor is uh, my job is to figure out how the Bible really means for us to live. So what does that mean? I, I, need, I, I need approval. But guess what? I want to get it from God. Yeah. Uh, I, I need affirmation. I want to get it from God. I need love. I need respect. I want to, here's a, a way I love to say it. I want to train myself to look to God first and most for everything I need. Yeah. Here's the problem. If I don't do that, I set up a system of idolatry. My definition of an idol is anyone or anything I use to meet a need only God can meet. Anyone or anything. Anyone could be parents. It can be spouse. It can be uh, kids. It can be friends, parishioners, peers. Anything could be my attendance last Sunday. Yeah. The amount of money we bring in, the size building we have. So here's the deal. What, whatever altar or idol I'm living onto, that's what's going to decide how I feel today. And, um, and I just think we can live a lot freer or more free, however you say that, by letting God fill the majority of our tank. Yeah. 60, 70, 80%. And yeah, we need people to pat us on the back and we need a spouse or friends who unconditionally love us but but they can't fill the tank right so you so you would call those needs you you're comfortable with saying that like as a as a christian that we do need a man's affirmation oh i said affirmation you added man to it um i would say uh i you know maybe not joey uh like like a, a word game I played with myself when I was learning some of this stuff yeah. is I would play this little word game. 
I'd be going to get ready to go speak in a, a church and it, maybe it's a bigger church than I've spoken in before. And I'm feeling those jittery, nervous, insecure, whatever's. And here's what I learned to do. I would say to myself, I, I want these people to like me. I want these people to think I'm a good communicator. I want them to say nice things about me when I'm gone, but I don't need them to like me for me to be okay. Yeah. And it just did something in my heart. It, 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 you know what I'm saying? It just kind of, it kind of did something where I was, I wasn't lying to myself. Yeah. I I like it when you come down off this platform and they say, dude, that was a good message. I like that. Right. But I don't like needing that. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Do you think that, do you think pastor or do you think uh, people pleasers are attracted to the pastoral profession? Like, do you think there's some relevance there? I don't know that I'd say that. I would just say uh, unhealthy people in lots of different ways yeah. are, are called and invited and respond to the ministry, and they bring their issues with them. So if I had a father I never felt like I pleased, I never felt like I made him proud, then maybe that translates into I've got to build the biggest church, the fastest growing church. I've got to have the, the most followers on Twitter and Facebook and you know uh, Instagram. And um, every time I get around, guys, when I walk in a room of my peers, my fellow pastor friends, friends in quotes, maybe, uh, I'm, I'm automatically comparing and figuring out the pecking order. Let's see, he's got, you know, X number. I've got, oh, mine's bigger than his, but his is bigger than my church. And, you know, and again, that kind of stuff is, here's how it would be couched. Well, you know, that's just how I, you know, that's my vision. And I'm just excited about building the kingdom. Well, there, that might be part of it, but it's only about 10%. The rest of it is, you get your self-worth, your identity, your sense of value and importance from where you fit in this game and how it keeps score. Yeah. And, um, and that's what gets us in trouble. What yeah. gets us in trouble is, um, like I love you know, cute little sayings, whoever's words and expectations define you and drive you. Whoever's words define you and expectations drive you is your God. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you've bought into my value is in, you know, uh, professional success, I don't care if you're a plumber or a pastor, you're going to run over and through warning signs because all you can see is getting that part of your need met. And my deal is what if you learn how to get that need met correctly and then you woke up and, and realized, you know, I love what I do. Yeah. You know, I, I do want my church to grow. But what if you were able to say, but you know what? I don't need it to grow yeah. for me to feel good about myself. Yeah. No. That's what gets us in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about this whole burnout thing. Do you think it's an overused word in ministry? I mean, I would probably say it's an over, well, it's going to sound like I'm giving you a double-tongued answer. I believe it's overused in some sense, but I believe it's underused in others. Okay. And here's what I, here's what I mean by that. You know, the, the, just the garden variety, 
I'm tired. Uh, you know, my vision's a little blurry. You know, God, I just need you to, I need you to remind me why I do this. Yeah. That's not a burnout. Yeah. Here, here's the key. If you're going to use the word burnout, it has to have physiological components to it. Yeah. Not just, you know, hey, I, I, you know, I'm just a little off my game or whatever. In other words, um, gosh, Joey, as much as I hate to admit it, I would say I had a brownout, if not a burnout. Yeah. I guess, I guess now it's going back three, I don't know, three-ish years. It was about two years into my being here at Seacoast. Yeah. And, um, and I'm going to say it certain ways to make a point. The bottom line is it, it wasn't anybody's fault but mine. I, I ignored warning signals. And um, here's the thing. True burnout is um, a physiological response of the body when you've ignored its other warning system, its yeah. other warning signals. So for me, you know, God help me. God tried to warn me. Probably my wife tried to warn me. And here, and, and I just didn't really pay attention until my body started saying enough is enough. Yeah. And, and it did it in very unkind ways. Um, I'm a really happy, peaceful, laid back kind of a guy. And here I was for about the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years having a blast being used in the area of my gifting, you know, in sports, they call it being in the zone, you know? Yeah. I mean, I was at, dude, I was having so much fun. Yeah. But I learned some stuff. Your brain, the physical organ of mush inside your head, your brain makes no distinction between good stress and bad stress. Yeah. It's the same chemicals. And they're not intrinsically bad chemicals. But right. here's the problem. When they become um, negative or destructive instead of constructive is when you are in an unabated, uh, uninterrupted, long season of aroused engagement. Yeah. So in other words, you, you, you know how you get up for something. Yeah. You know, and you kind of get up for doing it. And then when it's done, you kind of chill and come back down. Well, what happens to leaders is you you get up and you never really come down. Oh, I, well, I, I, I take Mondays off. Yeah. And you think all day about how crappy your message was on Sunday. <laughs> and you think, all, you know, you get on Facebook and Twitter and look at things people are saying. And, you know, why didn't I have that many responses? And in other words, no, you're not. You're not coming down. So here's what happens. Uh, we'll just group it under the word adrenaline. There's more involved than adrenaline, but we'll just say adrenaline. So you get up in this adrenalized state, and quite honestly, you feel like Superman. I can walk on water, run through walls, and it, it feels pretty good. But God designed us to where we have to come down off of that. And here's the deal. Depending on the person, depending on the intensity, depending on how long you were in that aroused, engaged state, it could take anywhere from hours to days to flush that adrenaline out of your system. Yeah. Gosh. So if you come down and then go right back up, come down, go right back up, here, here's where it starts to get interesting in a, in a negative way. Um, you become addicted to it. 
Yeah. In other words, if you don't feel this adrenalized Superman, you just you're just like, what's wrong with me? What's why? Why am I not inspired? Why am I not? You know, where's my energy? And in reality, all it is is your body saying we need to flush this junk out. So it's like so, you, so the addiction is the excitement of like Sunday morning services. Well, the addiction is the chemical state you get yourself into to carry out all the cool things you get to do or the scary things. Um, you know, in other words, remember, either kind of stress, good or bad. Um, in my particular case, I love what I do. And a lot of it, quite honestly, is pretty intense. A lot of times I don't get called into situation unless there's something wrong. Right. And I, and I love what I do. But my problem was I, I, I wasn't turning it on and then turning it off. Well, it, it, it could probably be debatable whether or not I call you when there's something wrong with this podcast. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, yeah. I, I was about to say, hey, I call you to be on podcast episodes, but maybe that would be something wrong and jacked up, too. <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish the thought, though, Joey. So yeah. here's the thing. When you, when you stay there without coming down, without developing what I would call rhythms and rituals, rhythms and rituals, Rhythm and rituals. When you don't do that, here, here's – and again, if this isn't clear, tell me. Yeah. What happens is the emergency switch gets stuck in the on position, and now you're entering into burnout. Gotcha. So, here, so think about it like this. The, the, the whole system's designed to recognize a moment of danger or challenge, just supernaturally almost equip you to deal with it. And then, ah, you calm back down. Yeah. Well, if you stay up there, you're in this state of emergency. And guess what happens? Everything becomes an emergency. Hey, will you take out the trash? Oh, my God, you're asking me to do stuff all the time. What do you mean when I take out the trash? Do you not know how hard I work today? Are you, you serious? Yeah, you over-respond to everything because chemically – your brain is stuck on high alert, engaged, aroused. And what happens is everything starts looking darker. Everything starts looking threatening. Why, why, did, why did Joey say that to me? Yeah. I, wonder what he, I wonder what he meant by that. You know, he had a weird look on his face. I wonder, I wonder why. And, and you're like, I've known, you know, Joey, blah, blah. You know what I'm trying to say. So it's this, it's this cascading effect. And then there's physical ramifications. You know, you may have panic attacks, which I did, and they're awful. You, you may have what I would call uh, tornado-like renegade negative thoughts. And you just have this, like, horrific – and, I mean, you're, you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I, I, I'm not like this. What is going on here? Yeah, and what and what it is is your physical um, organ, the brain, is just done. Yeah, I'm done living in this state of alertness all the time. So, and and part of the reason why I wanted to have you on this episode too is to tell people uh, about something new that you're embarking on that really focuses on this and helps people have boundaries and, and that sort of thing. So I want to get to that in a second, but I okay. think, I think what's relevant to that. And, and so you can incorporate it all together. How, 
how do people turn it off and how do like people that are listening right now and and you and I are on the same page chip that this is not just pastors correct no okay. yes absolutely so anyone who who's listening that you would characterize your life as busy how 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 do you know if that off switch is stuck on how do you turn it off i mean i would say one step is recognize what I would call a a victim mindset. In other words, catch yourself when you're saying things like, why do they keep doing this to me? You know, my, my job requires it, whatever, whatever, just shoot victim, victim mindset in the head and, and take ownership of if I'm tired all the time, it's because of choices I've made or continue to make and, and, and own it. And, and, and that, gosh, it's going to be way more complicated than we can talk here. Here's the thing. Most, and again, obviously this isn't true about everybody, but most people's stress is compounded by the way they think, the yeah. way they process life. Um, there are people that are genuinely over busy. Most people, it would not be the truth. Because some of the very people that talk about how over busy they are spend two hours a night watching television. <laughs> and, and again, I'm not saying spending two hours a night is sinful. I'm saying you have more time than you think you have. You're probably not using some of it well. Yeah. And that would be true of myself at the time. But so part of it is recognize that and then, and then start catching yourself um, – just reacting to life and treating everything like it's an emergency. And, and it's, again, I hate to have to try to break it down so fast, but for instance, one one of the things in hindsight, when my wife and I had walked through that yucky period from with me, one of the things we realized was, you know, yeah, I was busy, but I wasn't over busy. Yeah. But, but Joey, here's an interesting thing. You know what, you know what we recognized? When I was in a moment, I was thinking about the one I was just I just left and the one I had coming. So what I was doing was pulling yesterday's stress and tomorrow's stress into today. Yeah. I was dealing with things that I don't have to deal with till two weeks from now. Yeah. But well, I, I gotta speak over here in two weeks and I'm you know, I've gotta fly there and you know, I've gotta meet with this church and work through this. Well, Everything I just said might be three weeks out. Right. Right. But because of that adrenalized um, danger thing, I was constantly thinking about all that I had to do. Yeah. And, and one of the remedies was um, I, I picked up a phrase that I absolutely love thought awareness training. Thought awareness training. And one of the things I started to practice was to be really vigilant about monitoring and managing what I'm thinking about. Yeah. Just yesterday morning, I felt a little stirred and out of sorts. And my wife and I are doing, you know, we're doing a year in the word with the church, you know, and we sit down and every morning and we drink our coffee and read our Bible for the day. And then usually we'll pray and journal and whatever. So I'm sitting there yesterday and I feel kind of distracted and I'm reading, I'm thinking, gosh, man, I can't, I can't focus. And so I finished my reading, and I'm, I'm sitting there kind of spending a few minutes with God. And I sense, I sense you know, just, just be chill. 
don't don't be rolling into all these prayer requests. So I just sit there and I just get real chilled. And I and it and it starts to work and I feel really chilled, you know, and I start like, oh, this feels nice. And I hear this like this little nudging thought. Why haven't you been doing this? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Why haven't you been cleaning your plate every once in a while and just sit like you don't have a care in the world? Wow. I haven't been doing it, have I? And as soon as I kind of like I was just like, you know, there's nothing coming today that I can't handle. Yeah. There's, there's, you know, I looked at the next weekend, week, week or two, and I was like, you know, what, what, what was I stressing over? Stress itself becomes a habit. Yeah. Did that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's just so, it, it seriously, it feels like a net or a spider web that you just get all tangled up in and. Next thing you know, you're just like, I don't know how to get out of this. Like there, there's seriously times and I, I kind of, uh, I kind of liken it to, you know, if you're working on, so, so I, I feel like I'm kind of getting older. I know a lot of older people like you, you think I'm really young, but I think, I'm old. <laughs> but it, so you take an older computer and you pull up a bunch of programs. Next thing you know, it starts to slow down a little bit. Next thing you know, you see, you know, if you're on an old Mac, you see the little rainbow circle going around. Everything's just right, like slowing right. down. And I seriously feel like in the mornings, I, recently, I've been getting up and I feel so fresh, so clear-minded. I've been getting a little more sleep. I'm trippy with Priscilla. I'm goofy with the kids, just having fun in the morning. And as the day wears on, it's like I'm opening up so many different programs and thinking about so many different right. things that right. it seriously does start to trigger like a heaviness that seems more chemical than anything because it's just like my life isn't changing. It's, right. it's but right. I, it's, it's like, I don't know how to, to stop that because whatever, whatever is happening, I feel like it's more of a feeling than anything. So I know it probably right. starts with tracing back how it's happening in the first place, but it really does feel like a web that I find myself in, you know, all the time. I mean, here, here's a thought for you, Joey. Um, I would say often when I'm counseling with somebody, the issue is what they're thinking, what they're saying, whatever, whatever. And that's, 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 that's always an issue. Yeah. But here's the deal. We're in a season because of technology and because of some of the things going on in our culture where the issue isn't always just what I'm thinking, but how I'm thinking. Yeah, we we flit, we flitter from subject to subject. We're losing the capacity to focus and just quietly, gently dwell. Um, and and it's not what we were designed for. Right. And uh, so I'm excited. And maybe maybe down the road when I tell you I'm ready. Maybe we'll do a show and talk about it. But one of the buzzwords in the business community right now is the word mindfulness. Yeah. And I'm doing a lot of reading on that right now. And I'm thinking about how does it fit with things I've already learned and whatever. And I'm really excited about it. And mindfulness is all about being present. Yeah. It's all about being where you are. And here's an interesting way to think it. Be where you are in both geography and time. Gotcha. 
Ah, oh, that's that's super helpful, man. <laughs> I mean, and so I'm excited pull it off. about getting into that down the road because yeah. I'm really enjoying studying in it right now. Definitely. All right. Well, tell us. Was it uh, boundaries boot camp? What are you What are you kicking off? Yeah. Here? You know, Joey, I've been doing ministry for uh, 36 years. How about that? And um, I'm on, and I'm only 25. But um, <laughs> you know, one of the if you'd have told me 30 years ago that the biggest the teaching I'd be the most known for was boundaries, and I have a hula hoop around me, and I talk about you know learning to say no and self care is not selfish and just and I've gotten insane feedback. I mean, yeah. from my own wife and friends about how helpful it is. So, you know, finally, what I'm going to do is we're going to do what we're going to call Boundaries Boot Camp, and it's going to be four live web sessions where I'm going to teach a bit, and then obviously it's going to be through the internet, so we're going to have a a friend of mine going to be helping field questions and stuff. So I'm going to teach, you know, 45, 50 minutes, and, and, and probably have some interaction in the middle there somewhere, but then he'll be gathering questions and we'll have some dialogue and Q and a at the end. So we're going to do that for four weeks. And then after that, once a month for the next two months, we're going to have a free follow-up. I say free, it's going to be part of the payment for the whole thing. Yeah. But, um, we'll, we'll come back once a month for two months and just help you process. What am I doing with this? How am I doing? Do I understand it right? Am I applying it? and revisiting it. So here's the deal. In about a week or so, we're going to start doing free uh, web, uh, this free web event. And all I'm going to do is give everybody a taste of it, teach some stuff that's really going to be helpful in that free event. And then it's going to open the door for some of the other cool things we're going to do. And here's the thing, man, I have never in 36 years of ministry gotten more feedback on any teaching I've ever done. Oh yeah. It's, oh, it's, I'm one it's of them. so simple, but it's powerful. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're coming to hang out with our staff uh, next Monday and, and, yeah, Monday, and talk about think, this yeah. sort of stuff. Is this would this be something that's applicable to any and everyone? Or are we talking just to ministry workers or what? Oh, it, it, it is phenomenal in a ministry context. But if if you're a man, a woman, a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, a daughter, a brother, an uncle, an aunt, an employer, an employee, anything else. Uh, if you breathe air and relate to more than one other person, it will be helpful. <laughs> what is, is there, it, it, do, do people just follow you on Twitter for, for more information? All, do they go to the website? All that'll get you there, but here's the websites that we're going to use temporarily for this. It's my last name, Judd, J-U-D-D, Boundaries, B-O-U-N-D-A-R-I-E-S. So juddboundaries.com. And that's and what you'll what you'll hit is just a landing page where you give us your you know your email and then we'll throw out the dates and options that are available to you to get the live event. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, here's my take on it, listeners. Is we, I mean, life life is short, and I find myself I find myself all the time, you know, in a place of. Like, gosh, my life is my life is pretty good. I've got I got four kids. I got a wife that I enjoy. I'm in a decent season of my lo- of my life, and I'm not even really slowing down to enjoy it. And so, whenever I do spend time with uh, Chip over here, and we talk specifically about these things, 
the two words that I would describe it as is profound and simple. It's like, like, I mean, you just, you just said some things like self care is not selfless. I mean, that's selfish. Yeah. It's not selfish. Yep. I mean, we're just in a culture where everything is about other people and putting other people first and causes and all of that. But we forget that if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're not able to help anybody anyway. So, uh, I, I highly recommend this for sure. I feel like, uh, listening to, to chip, in a context like this is pretty helpful for anyone. So it's juddboundaries.com. If you go there, you'll see a uh, quick, quick video from chip and a way to sign up for an email list to get more information. Is that how it works? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, whatever. There's so many things I could say. I just love this stuff. It's helped me in my own personal life. Helped me immensely. Yep. Awesome. Thanks, Chip. It's been been great, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll try to take take it easy on pastors, man. All right. <laughs>